live in front of a national studio audience. It's on Tilt Sports. Featuring cutting-edge gambling analysis of hot college football action for your betting success. Look out now. Here are your hosts, Liam and Clayton. All right. Welcome back into the ACC preview. Uh, we were just talking off-air, actually, and... Uh, this is the one conference that I wasn't really aware of, either the division names until I was reminded it is the Atlantic and the Coastal, uh, and on top of that, was not fully aware uh, which teams reside in which. Uh, I remember when the Big Ten did the leaders and legends, that was a little more difficult than uh, what they've done, which is more geographic now, uh, but I guess it'll be uh, uh, fun to dip around with the non-geographic ties here. Obviously, uh, I, I think you were talking about the Atlantic being the, the top dog. Where, where does Clemson sit? That's all that matters. Yes, sir. Clemson is in the Atlantic Division. Um, Like you said, Liam, this is the one conference where there's not really any geographical ties to the divisions like the SEC and the Big Ten. They have the East and the West. That's easy. Pac-12 has the North and South. Well, I guess they used to, but that's pretty easy. ACC is just the Atlantic and the Coastal. The teams are just kind of randomly placed in the divisions. And embarrassingly enough to say, I still have not memorized exactly what division every team in, in this conference is in because it's kind of random. But but yes, Clemson is the top dog in the conference. They are um, in the Atlantic division. And um, we can go ahead and talk about them first if you'd like. What do you mean you haven't memorized it? In the last episode, no, the Pac-12 preview, you said, I love maps. I know, I know. I love maps. And hey, that's that's what makes it easy about the uh, SEC and the Big Ten, you know, making it east and west. That's easy. But hey, ACC is just it's it's all over the map, literally. And, and it's just kind of random. So it's tough. This conference is all over the map. Uh, I guess let's start with the Atlantic then. I do not have the win totals in front of me. Uh, if you could, let's start with uh, the thing that people want to hear. Let's hear the top dogs in the Atlantic. Yes, sir. Uh, Real quick, one quick nugget about this conference. Um, Last year in uh, 2021, uh, Pittsburgh beat Wake Forest in the ACC title game. That was the first time since 2014 that the ACC was won by a team other than Clemson, uh, which is pretty remarkable, the, the run that Clemson was on. And uh, Liam, you're always giving me trivia questions here. I'll give you a little trivia question here to start off. Do you know um, the last time that the Atlantic Division was won by anybody other than Clemson or Florida State. Oh, oh wait, I'm sorry. Last year, last year was the first time the Atlantic Division was won by anyone other that. than Clemson or Florida State. It was Wake Forest. They won that division. When was the last time, up until last year, that happened? Is NC State in that side of it? They are. Uh, Eighty-two. <laughs> I like I like the guess. Not that that not that long ago. It was 2008 was the last oh. time um, anyone was Georgia um, Tech or something. Oh man, I you know what? I didn't even look up who it was to be honest with you. I just heard it was since 2008. Um, Is Georgia Tech in the Atlantic? Georgia Tech. They are in the coastal. No. Okay, because they had like a couple I, random good years. I'm I'm gonna guess Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech was really good in the uh, late '90s, early 2000s. Um, so, or, sorry, not just early 2000s, pretty much all through the 2000s. So, after looking at the teams on here, I I, I guess it was Virginia Tech, um, not Boston College, Louisville. I don't think they were even in the conference back then. It's got to be VT. We'll we'll look that up pretty soon here, and we'll we'll let you know. Man, um, we sound like we don't do our research. We really do, at least for the teams <laughs> these years. But uh, hey, good question. I like it. Keep them rolling. Yeah, 
All right, uh, let's go dive into the win totals here. Talk about the teams. Uh, first up here is the Clemson Tigers. Uh, their win total is coming in at 10 and a half. Um, DJ U, DJ Ui Ungalale, uh, is back for his second season as the starter uh, for the Clemson Tigers. Um, starting quarterback looking to bounce back after a disappointing year last year. Uh, he looked really solid. Um, coming in and playing those couple games for Trevor Lawrence when Lawrence was out, uh, I think he had COVID, uh, a couple years ago. Uh, DJ played at Notre Dame, uh, looked really solid against them. Uh, but last year was, was a, a huge struggle for him. Uh, he did not look comfortable in the offense. There was not much juice there. Uh, the receiving core was was not really stellar. They had a lot of really tall, lanky guys. Um, they didn't really have any smaller quicker slot guys to, to get open on, on third down, get get five or six yards. There was a lot of um, kind of fade routes on, on the sideline, um, kind of low percentage throws there. So we'll look uh, for the Clemson offense to bounce back. I've heard that DJ has lost a significant amount of weight um, in the offseason. So he's going to be um, going to be looking a little bit lighter, a little bit leaner, hopefully a little bit lighter on his feet. Um, that'll help him his overall game. Uh, they have a running back named Will Shipley, who's back for his sophomore year. He was out for a bit last year. He hurt his knee. Uh, it wasn't um, an ACL tear or any, anything significant like that. I don't believe he had surgery, uh, but he is an absolute stud. Uh, he's back again for a second year, like I said. Um, so for look for him to run the rock. Uh, they get a break in their schedule. Um, you know, we'll talk about Wake Forest here in a little bit, but Sam Hartman uh, might be out for the uh, Tigers game uh, against uh, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. They play them early in the season. I want to say it was like week three or four, I think I saw on the schedule. So that's kind of a break if they don't get to play Hartman. I mean, like like they ever struggle with Wake anyways. They, have, they just overpower Wake on the line. Um, but um, they play at Notre Dame. They play at home against Miami. Those are the two toughest games they play. Um, I imagine they'll win at least one of those. Um, and then, you know, it would be a, a really a big disappointment if they lost any other game on, on the rest of their schedule. I w- if I had to bet it, I would say over. Um, I'm not going to bet it. I, I, I would bet that, would they, that they get at least one loss. Uh, two losses, not really sure. Um, going to be, you know, around another 10, 11 win season for Dabo and the Tigers. Yeah, uh, you you host a podcast about this, so you do have to vet it. Uh, Clemson, this is very (laughs) simple. Uh, Looking at the rest of this conference, which you'll hear from us in a minute, there's a couple landmines, a couple teams that could trip them up, but really, uh, it's not the biggest juggernaut conference. There are no really top-heavy teams that scare me too much. I feel like Clemson will be a favorite just about every game they play, and that's what you would expect of a line like this. Uh, The simple part is this, Dabo Swinney. Uh, won nine regular season games last year, and that was considered a horrific year for this team. Remember when they yeah. got embarrassed uh, early in the season um, and you thought, oh, the wheels are going to fall off. Granted, they only won a few of these games by like a field goal, this and that. So there were a couple close calls. Um, when don't they have a close call against like Syracuse? I feel like that pretty much happens every yes. year due to injury or not. Um, NC State, I believe they lost in overtime last year. Uh, which we yes, were on uh, the Wolfpack in that. But for a down team to have lost against a team that really overachieved last year in NC State like that, Dabo's got a chip on his shoulder. He also lost his two coordinators. This is the first time that he has two new coordinators at the same time. There was a lot of continuity. So Tony Elliott going to University of Virginia, uh, when they meet, if they meet, I need to look or take a look at their schedule. Uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, Brent Venables obviously departing to Oklahoma, as we covered in the Big 12 episode. Uh, so with those two factors in mind, I feel like Dabo's just kicking back and waiting 
to just he's salivating, ready to say, look, I told you so. I can coach. Also, DJ losing the weight. Love to hear it. Uh, Jamarcus Russell, uh, maybe if he had done something like that, he could have prolonged his career just by <laughs> yeah. a year or two. Uh, but DJ was a huge kid. Um, and, big boy. And he's probably still pretty big, but um, good for him for trimming down. Um, and on top of that, I just think he got thrown in there a little too early last year. Um, at least, I mean, the coaches, you have to expect that he was ready. But for some reason, mentally, he wasn't with the speed of the game yet. So after a year to adjust where his play did improve a bit throughout the year um, and hopefully with a new offensive coordinator he's going to mesh, uh, I don't see this team losing two games. I, I think this is the other like obvious choice. There's Alabama, there's Ohio State. And Clemson probably is going to get in the CFP. So that leaves like some of these really top heavy years, just one other team to contend for those four spots. Uh, let's look at their schedule real quick. Um, yeah. One thing also real quick I want to mention about, about Clemson that, that I didn't really cover is that their defense is outstanding last year. That that's why they won, you know, nine games. You know, people think it was a down year. They only, or they went nine and three, they lost three games, but that's, that's a great year for most programs. And a lot of it was because of their defense. I know that they lose Brent Venables. He's now the head coach at Oklahoma, but I, I expect their defense to, you know, kind of take a step back a little bit, but maybe not this year because of all the, the returning players they have and the continuity uh, their defense is going to be outstanding. Thank you. Uh, that is what I forgot to mention. Also, on top of that, you think in modern college football, like trench play is important. Defense is important. Uh, they have that going for them. DJ was absolutely heralded coming out of high school. So if he performs up to maybe 80% of what they expected and improves in that regard, and Dabo's a little more motivated than usual, not that he's not normally motivated, but especially that extra couple percentage points this year. Um, again, I just don't know where I see the losses. So they open at Georgia Tech, dub, play Furman. You know Furman's mascot? Furman, um, I do not. Me either. We'll get back to it. Then they play Louisiana Tech. Uh, out of those random Louisiana schools, you got like ULM, ULL, La Tech. They play La Tech at home. Travel to Wake Forest, like you said. Maybe they won't have Sam Hartman. They host NC State October 1st. That one's going to be big. Um, They're going to get re Florida revenge State. in that game. That's going to be a revenge game. I like the, the Tigers in that game already. That's going to be fun. I like them too, although I am pretty high on NC State, which we'll get to in a second. They then travel to Boston College, probably not the Boston College team that scares you or keeps you up at night. Uh, big one's going to be at Notre Dame. That's in the beginning of November. Uh, and then near the end of the season, they host uh, Miami the weekend before Thanksgiving. So those are kind of the big three to look out for. I don't see them getting tricked up against in-state rival South Carolina, although I do expect them to bounce back and have a pretty darn good year. Um, new coach, yeah. new um, new quarterback play with Spencer Rattler. But uh, all that being said, Clemson over 10.5. I think they go 11-1 and one in the regular season. They lose one of those three games that I mentioned. Yep, I, I like the over two. Um yeah, one of those one of those three games at least they're gonna lose. But um if I had to bet this, I, I would bet that eleven wins is is more likely than ten. So give me the over there for Clemson. All right, next team in line here for in the ACC Atlantic is another one of the top dogs in the conference, like we already mentioned, the NC State Wolfpack uh, up there in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, they have a returning uh, veteran quarterback. His name is Devin Leary. Uh, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the conference. Uh, Jersey tough, as they call him. Uh, he, he's from New Jersey. Um, he's a tough guy, has a good arm, can move a little bit. Uh, they're known as a um, you know kind of a tough team, solid defense. 
Uh, Dave Dorn is their head coach. Uh, been there for, uh, we guess, about a decade now. It seems like seems like it's been a little while. Um, usually has a solid defense, like I said, solid D-line. Uh, they like to run the ball, maybe run the ball a little bit too much. Um, I'd like to see them throw it a little bit more on first and second down, uh, really showcase Leary. Um, I thought that they kind of held him back a little bit in, in games at times last year. Um, so hopefully they, they look to spread the ball around a little bit more, be a little bit more aggressive on offense, score some more points, and um, and have a good season this year. You know, last year they had a huge win against Clemson, uh, like we mentioned. Uh, Liam, you and I were, were both um, on NC State in that game, and actually I think we both picked them to upset. Uh, they, they were underdogs, and we both picked them to win the game outright, and they did in overtime. Uh, that was a fun game up there in Raleigh. But um, like I mentioned earlier, I'll, I'll be looking for Clemson to get some revenge uh, in Death Valley as they host uh, the Wolfpack again this year. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, you you kind of hit, obviously, the two key players, which tend to be quarterbacks and coaches. Devin Leary, uh, exciting player. He's back, really productive. Dave Doran's got something cooking uh, at NC State. NC State, you got to feel bad last year. They uh, were really desperate to get to 10 wins for the first time in God knows how long. Uh, team super motivated. They were playing a holiday bowl against UCLA. And there's a little bad blood, I think maybe uh, 12 hours, 14 hours before kickoff. UCLA pulls out of the game, prevents NC State from getting that shot at 10 wins. Uh, so you feel bad for those seniors. But um, some of the other players who return on this team probably hungry to get back out there and see if they can pull off 10 wins. Um, as far as their over-under, what are we looking at? Uh, sorry, eight and a half is the total for NC State. Um, I, I would take the over. Um, I don't have a, have a great feel, and I'm not going to bet this, but if I had to bet it, I would bet over. Um, taking a peek at their schedule here. Um, they uh, In September, they host Texas Tech, which is going to be an interesting game. Um, typically, you'd think that NC State would handle Texas Tech uh, pretty easily. Texas Tech has a new head coach, uh, like we mentioned in our uh, Big 12 preview. Uh, but NC State did play an air raid team last year in Mississippi State, and they didn't they didn't look good. Uh, Mississippi State beat them pretty handily. Um, so, you know, they did get some experience playing that offense last year. So we'll see if they can bounce back uh, against the Red Raiders at home this year and shut down that air raid offense. Um, they have to go to Clemson, um, home against Florida State. And then they have to go to Louisville. I think Louisville could be tough uh, with their quarterback, Malik Cunningham. They play at North Carolina. Um, you know, pretty manage- manageable schedule this year here for the Wolfpack. And um, I, f- I feel, you know what, after looking at this schedule, actually, you know, after talk- kind of talking myself into it here, I feel pretty good about the over. Um, you know, they'd have to lose four games to get the under uh, with the total being eight and a half. And um, I'm just not seeing four four games that I feel comfortable about losses on the schedule. So Give me, uh, give me the over with the Wolfpack. Oh, I'm back and ready to go here. Uh, I agree with you. I think it's over. Uh, the defense is there. Uh, their home field advantage is one of the best in the conference. Um, probably, I'd say, especially when you get those night games going there, uh, top 15 in the country. So uh, give me the over because a few of those close games that might decide this over-under, uh, they do get at home, which is uh, good, especially if you're looking at the over in this case. The other thing to look out for is early in the season, I see potentially two games, um, maybe one of which that will become interesting. And no, if you're looking at the NC State Wolfpack calendar here, it's not Charleston Southern. It's not UConn of all teams. Of course, they're looking ahead to week five, October 1st, when they travel to play Clemson. But it's these other two going to play at East Carolina. Um, Bold move. I know it's not the East Carolina team. 
that maybe we've seen or we've heard in these upsets the last couple of years or last five to 10 years, frankly. Um, but it's always a tricky environment. The in-state little brother teams, um, <laughs> those can always be really tricky for these um, you know, top dogs or these ranked teams. So look out for that opening weekend. Uh, then they host Texas Tech September 17th. I don't expect them to lose to Texas Tech, but they play a very spread out offense. Um, in our Big 12 episode, we covered why Texas Tech is going to be maybe even that much more of um, a, a pass-happy attack this year. So that could just maybe throw them a bit off, um, especially looking at the beginning half of their schedule and who they'll be playing uh, until they go to Clemson. So um, look out for East Carolina. Look out for Texas Tech. Assuming they get through those two, I feel very good about an over here. Yeah, you mentioned it, Liam. I, I love seeing um, you know Power 5 conference teams go play on the road and play at some of these, um, um, you know, group of five and non-power five teams. I love seeing NC State go play at East Carolina. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, North Carolina here pretty soon. They are going to play at um, Appalachian State this year, which, which is really cool, cool environment. Um, you know, normally playing at East Carolina, you'd be like, hey, watch out, NC State. That's going to be tricky, but I don't expect East Carolina to be very good this year. Uh, look for the Wolfpack to handle that game and uh, have a solid season this year. And um, I feel pretty confident about over eight and a half as well. Hey, you just sold me. Who's up next? Let's go. Um, next on the list, we have the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. Uh, they come in with a, a total of eight and a half as well. Um, we already mentioned him a little bit earlier, but um, their, their star quarterback, Sam Hartman, um, he has an undisclosed uh, medical issue. Um, we're not really exactly sure what's going on. They say it's not COVID related. Um, I, I don't have any guesses, Liam. Maybe you have have some guesses. Maybe you've, you've looked in, into some things, but I can't uh, I can't find anything to where they're they're leaking what might be going on with him. Um, I can't wait to find out what it is. But I'm hoping for a speedy recovery for him. Hopefully, he's back earlier than expected this season because I I love me some Sam Hartman, man. I think we talked about him last year. Uh, we watched him on on Netflix. He was on that show QB One. Uh, where they followed him around his senior year of high school and just kind of showed what it was like and and you know being a top recruit and whatnot. Unlike you know some of his peers like um, you know Tate Martell and and Justin Fields and Jake Fromm, he didn't go to a a huge high school. It was actually a fairly newer school that opened up in in uh, Charleston, South Carolina area. They weren't very good. Um, actually, you know he used to play for for Will Greer's dad. Um, in the Charlotte area. Then Will Greer's dad moved down to the Charleston area. Uh, Sam Hartman followed him down there to play his senior year. Um, like I said, the team was kind of kind of eh, um, but but I really like Sam's attitude. I, I like his maturity, his dedication to the game of football. Seems like he really loves the game. It, it just has a passion for getting better. Um, you know, seems like a really humble guy. And uh, it's just a huge bummer that, that this happened to him and hoping for a speedy recovery because that offense is one of the most exciting offenses to watch in the country. It's very unique. They do this. They do this thing where it's 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 um, the zone read like every other team runs, but you know, they, they do it really slow. Sam like just sticks the, the football and the running back's belly. They both take a few steps towards the line of scrimmage and then he'll either let the running back keep it or he'll pull it real quick and just throw a dart right over the line uh, for, for a long pass. And um, against, you know, the, the average to below average ACC teams that works against teams like Clemson that have really dominant D lines, um, you know, the, the type of athlete that their O-line cannot overcome. The offense doesn't work that well, but against, you know, the, those mid to lower tier teams in the ACC and other conferences, their offense is one of the most exciting to watch. 
Look for them to score a lot of points. Defense is is not great. Um, I'm going to be betting a lot of overs here with with Wake Forest this season. Going to be a lot of 50 to to 40 games. Um, yeah, just just hoping for uh, Sam Hartman to come back soon. Yeah, look out. Some of these over unders are going to be like 76, 82, 71. Uh, that, yeah. that always keeps you up a little bit because you're not going to clinch that until probably midway through the fourth, if you're even going to clinch it at all. Uh, you know, sometimes you bet, for example, the under in a game. And maybe it's uh, under 49 points. And then midway through the third quarter, it's like three nothing. You're loving life. Um, it's always tough because you're always chasing this incredible amount of points. Even if they go off in the first quarter, uh, if there's a couple random turnovers and whatnot, it's uh, it's going to annoy you. Uh, speaking of QB1, a uh, great call. Sam Hartman on there um, gives a really good window into, you know, well, obviously when they were doing it live. Uh, it gives you a really good info into the life of a, a really heralded, you know, junior, senior and high school quarterback getting ready to go off and take the next steps. Um, really fascinating show. I hope they bring it back. I don't know what their deal is. Um, honestly, I enjoyed that probably a bit more than Last Chance You, And that was a that was a fan favorite on Netflix and for any football fan out there. So hope they bring it back. Um, Sam Hartman, like you said, maturity level off the charts. Hopefully he's back soon. Dave Clawson, excellent coach. Uh, horrific defense. <laughs> so uh, as you yes, just pointed horrific. out, uh, they're going to need to score points. And so I worry for however long Hartman's out, um, who's going to be stepping in there at backup? Do we know? Um, man, I can't remember the name, but um, they, they already they already mentioned a guy who's going to be um, going to be taking Hartman's place. He is a redshirt freshman. Um, honestly, I don't know much about him. Looking at their schedule, too, uh, first two games, super manageable. Uh, they play VMI, that's uh, Virginia Military Institute. Uh, then they travel to Vanderbilt, really scary SEC road game there. Uh, but then they host Liberty. Uh, granted, Liberty lost their stud quarterback, but uh, I believe Hugh Freeze is still there. So look out for Liberty when they come to town. Uh, and then they are hosting Clemson. Uh, and then they travel to Florida State. And then they host Army. Uh, that. Out of the gate, those first six are not exactly fun. Boston College, probably going to be fine for Wake Forest, but then they play Louisville, who a lot of people expect to surprise. They go into NC State, playing at home against UNC, which might actually overachieve this year. They were last year's darlings. We'll get to them in a minute. Really, the only two like super lock conference games I see are with the last two of the season, the 19th and the 26th, when they host Syracuse and they go to Duke, who's going to be Colorado level of bad. Uh, so I don't know. It depends. Really, this over-under entirely depends on how long Hartman's out, in my opinion. Um, Army's going to beat them this year. There, I said it. Secondly, last year, they won by a field nice. goal over Syracuse. They won by a field goal over Louisville. And they won by a field goal over NC State. They come back down to earth. You can't do that again. And NC State uh, is definitely going to be out for revenge this year. Louisville is going to be better than people expect. They'll still handle Syracuse. But Army is going to get them this year. I think they played Army last year, and if you see Army twice, it's like a coach you see twice. Um, they're going to scheme for you, even though, granted, it's one-dimensional for the most part, and they run the ball, um, but they're going to scheme for you a little bit differently than they did the year before and probably take advantage of a few things they saw on that tape, more so than like a traditional offense would. So give me the under on Wake, whatever it is. Yeah, hey, yeah, their their run defense is terrible, and uh, that is not a good recipe when you're playing Army, who literally does nothing but run the ball. So, uh, good luck to the Deeks there. And you know what? I forgot to mention earlier, their win total opened at eight and a half, and that's what it was before 
um, the issue with Hartman. And now I checked on FanDuel earlier today. It's actually not even available on FanDuel. So this team is a total toss up. And until we get more information on Hartman, it's hard to say what their total even is going to be if if the books even allow you to bet it before the start of the season. Um, So that's just just a big question mark there. If you have a random book who operates off like a random site, that's not one of the big three, four, five, like not the Westgate Superbook, not Bavada, anything like that. You might be able to find it. Go find it. There's an advantage. Take the under because the uncertainty with Hartman and a lot of the other smart books have pulled this line off, but a couple of them that are maybe lesser known probably haven't. So go find it. That's a good point. I would feel comfortable if you could find this even as low as seven and a half. I, I would like the under um, just because yeah, Hartman's just totally up in the air right now. Um, so let's move on to uh, kind of the latter half of this division here. Uh, we'll go through these next uh, handful of teams here a little bit quicker. Not much juice there. Um, the next team we have on our list is the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, they are coming in with a win total of seven, an even number of seven. Um, so if you like the over, like the under, you're going to get the push protection there. But um, it's kind of a bummer to uh, to mention Florida State in kind of the bottom tier of this conference. They really haven't been the same since uh, really since they won the national championship in 2013 with uh, Jameis Winston and Jimbo Fisher at the helm there. Um, the program just has been kind of in shambles since Jimbo left huge culture issue um just a lot lot of guys with with giant egos it seems like um just a a lot a lot of top recruits who think that that they're the shit and that they made it before even taking a taking a snap in college and just really really being humbled and and really coming back down to earth after they get out there and start taking those l's and a lot a lot of blaming a lot a lot of finger pointing but um We'll see if uh, Mike Norvell can turn the culture around there. He's here um, in Tallahassee for his second year as the head coach. Previously was the head coach at Memphis and built a really nice program at Memphis in the AAC. Um, Jordan Travis uh, is, is going to be their starting quarterback again. He has a lot of upside, very athletic. Uh, he can run, has a cannon, but he, he is not consistent, not very savvy, doesn't seem to see the field that well. Um, he's constantly getting hurt as well, you know, plays, plays kind of reckless out there and just doesn't really seem to have a good feel for the game when he's, when he's at, actually out there playing. And like I said, he's big, he's strong, he's athletic, he's mobile. He looks the part. Um, you know, he's got, he's got all the, all the tools, all the physical tools, but it's hard, hard to, hard to say what's going on upstairs. He just doesn't seem like he knows the game that well and makes a lot of, of bad decisions. Uh, the O-line uh, continues to be bad. Uh, it was bad there years ago, you know, in Jimbo's last couple of years there and and still hasn't gotten better. I'm not really sure what's going on with the uh, the O-line situation down there in Tallahassee. Uh, they're still looking to fix fix that. Uh, the defense should be better. Uh, they, their, their linebacking core is good. Secondary is good. They got some transfers to help them out there. Um, but I just, I, I, I can never trust the Seminoles. You know, they kind of have like a, like a Texas factor, um, like a, like a Nebraska factor, they're they're just always overrated, kind of like Miami too, always overrated and just can't can't trust the culture and and it just doesn't it seems like there's a lot going on there, other than other than football, other than winning, seems like a lot of the guys there have their minds on on other things. Yeah, man, uh, Florida State was a dumpster fire last year, especially those first two games because they look pretty good against Notre Dame, who was I, I think number eight at the time. Then they come out the next weekend and lose on a ridiculous Hail Mary, 20-17 to 17 to Jacksonville State. Um, Yikes, not fact, a good look. Speaking of culture, you're a football player for the Seminoles. Your team just goes down at home on a last-second play to end the game to Jacksonville State. 
What do you do if you're one of these players? You propose to your girlfriend on the field after losing to Jacksonville <laughs> State. Uh, so what better time? How romantic. I mean, this is not that guy from Boise State, whatever, the running back who ran it in in the overtime Fiesta Bowl, you know, fame game. Uh, that that works. That is that is your, you know, Hollywood, your Disney, all that story. But this definitely was not. I believe he played on the defense, and I really hope he was on the field for that last play, too. <laughs> oh, man. But then outside That's of so that, um, I, I think they lost maybe two or of, of their next three in a row or two in a row after that. So got out of the gates really bad. You think Mike Norvell's out of there. Uh, and he was a splashy hire when they did, uh, you know, bring him in. Maybe not like a top one, two, three hire in the country that year. Uh, but it was notable because, like you said, Memphis was a great program that he had built up. Uh, who was that quarterback he had on that Memphis team? Was that Paxton Lynch? Uh, he, I, I think he was there for Paxton Lynch. Um, I think another guy he had was Mike White. Uh, I know it's a very generic name, but I want to say Mike White sounds familiar. Was there like a Brady or a Grady something? Dude, you with your there? Brady's and Grady's. You need to stop. <laughs> Brady Hope, Brady Hope. That's pretty uh, I'd, I'd have to go look, but yeah, Memphis has had some good quarterback play over the past decade, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So then, obviously, we're talking about Florida State starter currently. That'll be Jordan Travis. He's back, like you said, decision-making, not always there. Um, hopefully, he's improved and matured and maybe had his uh, you know game IQ come up a little bit. Uh, the interesting thing about Florida State for me is that there's only eight seniors on this team. Even with all the COVID weirdness and whatever, only eight seniors. So it forced a lot of their youth to play under Norvell early. Uh, they're very heavily dominated by sophomores and then juniors. That's your second biggest class right now. Um, so that gives me a little bit of hope that maybe some of those older kids uh, who have now been on the field maybe more than they otherwise would have in some other situations – uh, that they're going to be better for it. So looking at Florida State's schedule really quick, um, let's see, where do they own? Oh, Duquesne at home. Let's hope there's not another repeat there. I didn't even know Duquesne had a football team. Uh, what state's <laughs> yeah. Duquesne from? What you got? Duquesne. Oh, man. Um, I don't know. I'm going to guess Virginia. I was going to guess Ohio because that tends to work out for you. Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. There you go. Learned okay, something. you're closer. All right. Learn something new every day. Uh, I don't even know what their conference would be in that scenario. Anyway, after that, they head to LSU. You never want to go play in Death Valley. Uh, that will be a 7.30 Eastern kick, so that makes things a little less easy. Uh, they then travel. That game is actually in New Orleans, basically a home uh, game for LSU, Yeah, but uh, but pretty cool going to be in New Orleans, yeah. You know, I really wish these schedules would denote that when you're just doing one of these quick, simple searches. And you're right, I, I always have <laughs> to be aware. I think there were a couple times last year early in the season where it was a neutral site game, but it was indicated as somebody was technically the home team or genuinely it wasn't that neutral, like you're saying here with LSU. That game's in the Superdome. Uh, it, it's going to be an advantage to them. Uh, when we're talking about University of Georgia playing the Ducks in Atlanta, that is not a neutral site game. So anyway, um, maybe not quite Death Valley, but it's certainly going to favor LSU. You have to imagine it's going to be not an easy game, to say the least. I'd say that's a loss. Um, LSU, a lot of question marks for a lot of people, but I'm higher on them than most. Uh, Florida State. I think LSU wins that game. I trust Brian Kelly. Yeah, yeah. same here. Exactly. Uh, Florida State uh, then travels to Louisville. Scott Satterfield, we'll get into them in a minute. Uh, but that is a team a lot of people expect to surprise. Uh, then they host Boston College, host Wake Forest. So that could be advantage them if Sam Hartman's not back October 1st. Go to NC State, that's an L. Host Clemson, that's an L. Georgia Tech, you have to imagine a dub. Uh, and then they play Miami. That's always a fun one. 
Uh, looking at the end of their yeah. schedule last year, though, this team did improve. You know, they beat UNC, which they kind of fell from grace after that. Uh, I think it was opening weekend. UNC is number 10 lost, but uh, they kind of fell from grace. Uh, then they played Clemson. All right. Uh, I think they lost that game by seven or 10 points. Um, and again, it wasn't the Clemson team as usual, but that was around, I want to say Halloween or like in November. So, uh, Clemson started to get their feet under them, um, lost to NC state pretty handily. And then I think they beat Miami last year, but Miami's not what they're probably going to be this year, obviously. Um, and they might've ended the season, playing Florida close or beating Florida. Um, but then again, Florida fired their coach. So all these things in my mind, I keep placing as landmarks last year, like, oh, they're getting better. Maybe they weren't really. Um, given the schedule, given some of my hesitancy around the quarterback, which is pretty much everything, and given that I do kind of feel like there's some players where that locker room vibe's not exactly all for one and one for all, um, probably going under here. What is the number? Uh, I'm seeing right at seven. And, um, you know, Liam, Florida State is one of those teams where I don't really need to look at the schedule to bet the under. Uh, I'm always going to bet under because they're they're always overrated. They always underperform. It's always a disappointment. And until I see, you know, things change, that's just that's what I've seen the last, you know, handful of years. And so that, that's what I'm rolling with. Yeah, uh, I see four wins probably a fifth and then like two toss-ups so they'd have to kind of nail that probably of the toss-ups to get the over there give me the under let's move on all right moving on next on the list we have the boston college eagles uh coming in with a win total of six and even six right on the dot there uh phil jakovic is their quarterback he's back and healthy after a uh, i think he had a hand injury last year missed a handful of games uh, big bummer he was looking good they had a solid pass game they have a, a really good receiver or two up there at um at boston college and so their pass game is solid. Defense struggled, though. They don't have the, the caliber of athlete to you know, be a, a top-tier uh, defensive team in the ACC. Um, you know, they're they're going to have to outscore people. I imagine there's going to be a lot of two, three, four-point spreads in their games. Games could go either way. Um, you know, playing up there later in the season, later in October and November is a little bit tougher because it does get cold. Um, most of these ACC teams are, you know, more Southern states. Uh, so it's, they're not used to the cold up there, especially for teams like Clemson, Miami, Florida State, et cetera. Um, you know, I, I could see this this going either way. You know, I, I, I like their head coach, Jeff Halfley. I like their quarterback, Jerkovic. He's got a good arm. I could see them, you know, overachieving and winning eight games. I could also see it going sideways and then winning four games. Uh, so it's really hard to say. Um, really cool tradition they have up there. They have their, their red bandana game that they play every year. They dedicate one game um, and they have like a red bandana kind of, um, you know, designed on their uniform a little bit. I think it's to um, Wells Crowder. Promote, is that so, his name? What, what is it? It was Wells something. I was just hoping I remembered that. Was, was it, was it a, um, Wells, a, a, can, a cancer Crowder. patient or something? No, not at all, man. Um, ooh, way to whiff on this one. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> this one was, uh, somebody who was like a stock trader and on September 11th, um, in some way they were able to piece together that he was, you know, one of the more brave people there, uh, kind of acted like a fireman in that situation, saved a good number of people and then had gone back up oh. into the tower and he passed. So, uh, more related to that, uh, regardless, great story. And you're right. They do have the tie in on the Jersey. Uh, and again, I, I missed his name a little bit. It's not Crowder. It's Crowther. 
Wells Crowther in honor of him. There you go. There you go. Very cool story. I was far off. Um, but yeah, so they're going to host Clemson for, for their red bandana game this year. That'll be exciting. Uh, the crowd goes nuts for that. Um, you know, just their, their roster as a whole, they have a lot of fourth and, and fifth year, you know, probably six year guys now for, from COVID. So they're going to be older. They're going to be experienced. Um, it's just, just hard to say w- what their win total is going to be with, um, with, with the, the, the question marks of Jakovic staying healthy or not. But um, going to be fun, though. They're going to have a, have a fun offense to watch, and he's going to sling it around. What's Vegas set the line at? I'm seeing six even. Whee. All right. It's, it's a good line. You know, if, if they if they hit it, they'll go bowling. If not, they won't. So, you know, this, you know, I, I, maybe maybe I'll lean over here with this team just because at the end of the season, if Dracovic is healthy, if, if he's slinging it and their offense is doing stuff, you know, they, they could be motivated uh, in the last few games of the year to get to that six win so that they can secure a trip to the bowl game. Um, that's a big deal for, you know, you know, schools of, of the, the tier of Boston colleges in, in their conference, you know, getting to a bowl game is, is a pretty good achievement. So look for them to be playing hard throughout the whole season. I hadn't examined their schedule, but now that I have uh, put me as a staunch believer in the over, um, I really Ooh. didn't have many notes on this team. I feel like Boston college is just that boring team that you kind of forget exists. And then they, you know, beat yep. one or two teams that shouldn't every year lose to somebody they shouldn't win seven games every year, maybe eight, you know, uh, and, and yep. that's kind of who they are and their identity. But Jeff Halfley, uh, now that you brought up his name, uh, that does remind me, he is a definitely not on the hot seat. He's quite the reverse. He's on the hot list of coaches that will probably take a step up in job. I know with USC's vacancy, that was one of the early rumored names and I had to look him up. I didn't know who he was. I remember you talking yeah. about Phil Dracovich last year. Uh, did they start hot, like maybe five and one or five and zero oh or something? Because I feel like like they shouldn't have gotten the notoriety and the attention that they did. Do you remember how they started? Yes, they started four and zero. Oh. Um, they were they were scoring a lot of points, um, really rolling. Then they played at Clemson, lost. Then they had an off week. Then they had to play NC State, got smacked. They went at Louisville, got smacked. At Syracuse, lost. Now these games, I imagine Jakovic was was injured for all these. So yeah, they went four and zero, and then lost four in a row after that. So and then ended the year two and two. Oh, regardless, I mean, looking at this, I have to find you seven wins or six wins. What is it? It's right on six. Six even. All right, I have to find you seven wins to get the over here. So I'm going to do it. Give me Rutgers as a win to open the season. Give me Virginia Tech is going to be garbage this year. Uh, Give me Maine as a win. Give me Florida State as a win. They start 4-0 and again. Maybe lose to Louisville. That one's probably a toss-up uh, with Louisville up-and-comer here. Clemson, that's a loss. Wake, who knows, but let's put it down for a loss. But then, listen to this. They get UConn, dub. Duke, dub. Later in the season, they play Syracuse, probable dub. Uh, and then, who are we playing? NC State and Notre Dame, probably losses for both of those. What did I get there? Six or seven? I feel like that was seven. Um Duke's going to be atrocious. I mean, it's unfortunate. It looks like they missed Georgia Tech. If that was on the schedule, that would be an easy, easy, easy over. Uh, But you brought up probably the most important point here. When we're talking about over-unders, if it's five and a half for anybody or six, that's huge motivation for these kids. You're right. At a school like BC, as it currently stands, you know, this isn't what the Matt Ryan era. He was a BC guy, right? (laughs) 
Right, right, yeah. yeah. So this isn't when they're number two in the country playing USF and like Matt Grothy or whatever his name is. Like this is going to be, <laughs> a, 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 you know, a season where seven wins is a huge success, let alone if they are at five and they're going into the latter half of their schedule or the latter one, two, three games, they're going to be extra motivated for these kids to get like those Xbox packages and the random things you get for going to like the craft Outback Fight Hunger Bowl or whatever the heck it is or the the Motel 6, like... Uh, Boca Raton Bowl. Boca yeah. Raton Bowl. These kids get to go on a vacay. They're all about it. Um, you know, get out of the snowy Northeast for the winter over the holiday season. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, any time there's a five and a half or a six and you're on the fence, go over. And in this case, I'm going over anyway, if not for that fact, but especially because of it. I like it. I like it, Liam. All right, let's move on. Uh, the next team that we have on our list here is the Louisville Cardinals. Uh, they have a win total of a solid six as well, uh, same as Boston College. And, you know, this is this is one of the, the totals that I feel pretty good on. I really like the over here. Uh, Malik Cunningham is their returning quarterback. Um, he is electric. He is, I like to call him a poor man's Lamar Jackson. Uh, he play, plays a lot like Lamar Jackson. He happens to play at the same school, Louisville. Um, he, he's more of a runner than a thrower. Um, obviously, he's he's not Lamar Jackson. No one is. Lamar's a unicorn. He's so fast, and and, and he, he's not that. But looks looks a lot like him, plays a lot like him. He had over 1,000 yards uh, rushing last season. Um, they lost uh, three one-score games last year. Um, so look for them to maybe bounce back in some of those closer games. You know, maybe Malik with his experience uh, in, in those close games, you know, coming down to the wire will help get them over the hump and on the winning side of those. Uh, look for their offense to, to score a lot, a lot of points, of course. Uh, we'll see if the defense can get some stops. Um, they're always kind of so-so on defense. Um, so that's kind of a wild card there. Uh, they open the season uh, with a conference game at Syracuse. Um, it's always fascinating to me when teams open up the season w- with a conference game. Uh, no time to to mess around with a, a, an FCS opponent with with a, with like an 11 a.m. local time start there. But um, yeah, going at Syracuse, I like them to win that game. Um, yeah, give me the over with the Cardinals. Is that six? Um, you know, without even running through the schedule, I just I trust Malik Cunningham to to be the difference maker in a lot of these you know go either way games like the the mid tier ACC teams. Agreed. Uh, we don't need to spend too much time on this. I like Scott Satterfield. Random thing about Louisville. Um, I feel like I saw this last year for the first time, and then I saw it a few times on their televised games or nationally televised games. It's pretty cool. They like walk the the players walk into the stadium kind of through one of like the concession corridors. So all the fans are just right there. Uh, It has like this underground feel. They got the red lights going. Um, Just kind of a random like new wave entrance that's pretty cool for this team. Regardless, with Satterfield, with Cunningham back, you have to feel pretty good about this. Um, The defense has to be better. (laughs) It was bad. Um, Here's the thing. Like you, on the one hand, if a D is terrible and then they have a bunch of new guys come in, you're optimistic that it can be better. In kind of a weird way, I'm a little optimistic that it has to be better because they have 10 starters back. Like, so those guys have to get a little bit better or they're going to lose their spot. So maybe two or three of those dudes lose their spot. But um, at least their experience, even if it's horrific experience of getting burned. So I'll assume the deal be a little bit better. Satterfield, Cunningham, um, they did lose their best receiver. Uh, this guy, I think he averaged like 25 yards through the air per catch uh, to Bama. And it looks like he's going to start there. So that hurts if you're Malik Cunningham, losing probably your most exciting or explosive we- weapon. Um, and in my notes here, I had needs to win at Syracuse early to hit the over. Let's assume they do. Yep. Give me the over. 
I like it. I like it. Also, Liam, I'm so high on Malik Cunningham. I actually think that he is the best uh, quarterback prospect in his own state. And uh, that's saying something because I know over at Kentucky, they have Will Levis. Will Levis is uh, seen as a big time prospect for the NFL draft this year. To be honest, I'm not really seeing it. I don't really know what, what the hype is about. Will Levis is not that good. Um, I'll take Malik Cunningham all day long. I think he's a much better college player. And um, hard to say how both of them are going to translate to the NFL, but um, give me Malik Cunningham. Who man. cares? This is a college pod. Let's go. I agree. All right. Um, next team on the list here, the last team in the Atlantic division is the Syracuse Orange. Uh, they are coming in with a win total at a solid four. Um, they are head coached by Dino Babers. He's been there for a few years now. Uh, I love his name for one thing, uh, very unique name. I love his energy as well. Seems like, um, just a really cool guy. Seems like a player's coach. I feel like the players thrive off his energy. Um, and he gets the most out of them. Uh, but it, it is a hard place to succeed, a hard place to win, hard place to recruit to, you know, not a lot of, not a lot of football players up in that part of the country and in, in Western rural New York. Um, you know, we've seen Dino exceed expectations there. We've also seen him have disappointing uh, seasons as well. Uh, this year, he's got a new offensive coordinator. His name is Robert Anai, uh, formerly the offensive coordinator at Virginia. Um, ran a high-flying offense at Virginia. Had a great quarterback there, uh, in, in his name is Brandon Armstrong. We'll talk about him in a bit. Uh, so we'll see how he does away from that personnel at Virginia and away from Brandon Armstrong. Um, he has Garrett Schrader as the returning quarterback. Uh, he's a dual threat guy, not much of a thrower. He's 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 more of a more of a runner. He did play, um, did get some starts as a true freshman at Mississippi State a couple years ago. He had a couple wild runs that was uh, that that were exciting. Uh, he transferred up to Q's when uh, Mike Leach became the head coach at, at State. Um, like I mentioned, better at running than he is throwing. But you know, I, I don't trust him to make enough plays to win games. Um, I don't trust their defense. Their defense has never been great up there. Um, you know, UConn and Wagner, I think after taking a peek at their schedule are the only wins that that only definite wins that I see on the schedule. Um, all the other games are tossing, man. It's going to be a tough year for the orange. Yeah. You just, you took all the words out of my mouth. I have nothing else to say. Dino Babers likes to slow the game down, likes to run the ball, likes to control the amount of possessions that the other team is going to get. That's kind of their, their secret sauce. That's maybe how they steal a third win. In addition to the two you just referenced, which I think were Wagner and UConn. Um, looking at their schedule, they might have three toss-ups. They'd have to win all three of those to go over. Give me the under. Yep, I like it. All right, um, so that is it for the Atlantic Division. Uh, went through all seven of those teams. Let's now transition over to the Coastal Division. Uh, the Coastal Division is led by the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, they come in with a win total of eight and a half. Um, fun fact, uh, the media has incorrectly picked the winner of the Coastal Division in eight of the last 11 uh, preseason polls, and actually six of them. Uh, Miami has been chosen as as the preseason winner. Only one time did, did they get that right, where they predicted Miami to win win the division, and they did. Uh, so you know, there's there's a lot of um, a lot of change in this on this side of, of the conference. Um, not really a, a real one dominant team in the division. We'll see if Miami you know elevates to to be that team. Um, of course, now they have Mario Cristobal who is the new head coach there, previously the head coach at Oregon. Um, he was also uh, the O-line coach down at Alabama for Nick Saban. Um, you know, he's looking to, to revamp the Miami program here. They also have a, a big time a booster 
uh, that has entered the program. His name is John Ruiz. Um, I think he's uh, some sort of medical guy, made a lot of money in, in the medical business, but he is now um, kind of leading their NIL deal. He's, he's buying a bunch of players, um, not just in football, in, in all sports as well. Um, so it's kind of an exciting time down there in Miami. They finally have a big booster uh, who's an alumnist um, who really cares about the program, wants them to do well. You know, Miami is known as a team uh, full of glamour. Um, you know, they have a lot of swagger when, when they're good. And you'd expect them to, you know, be one of the top, you know, programs in the country in terms of like facility, facilities, you know, money and all that. But that, that's really not the case. It, it's a fairly small school down there. It's, it's a private institution uh, down there in Coral Gables. Um, most of their fans actually have not gone to the university. It's just a lot of people who live live in the city and are a fan of the team. So that's why they don't have a they didn't have a ton of money and ton of big boosters. But enter in John Ruiz. He's buying some players. Um, I'm still confused uh, around the whole NIL, all, around all the NIL rules. I keep hearing that you're not allowed to buy high school players, but Miami is openly talking about buying high school players. Um, USC's top uh, quarterback recruit for next year, Malachi Nelson, he just signed with Clutch Sports, and he's making a bunch of money, but he's still in high school. So they're, they're being open and, and flaunting that. So I don't really understand all the rules, um, but but um, excited for uh, for what Miami has, has come in here this year and the next year couple years to, um, in the future yeah uh <laughs> you said it man i mean miami's always had a little scandal written all over them uh, easy for me to say but i feel like especially it was just openly out there in the air uh what was his name uh devin shapiro or something like that is that correct i think i think nevin maybe nevin nevin or devin yeah, yeah something, something like that nevin shapiro i think he's in prison now so he's rolled over on everybody and talked about what he used <laughs> yeah. to do in the early 2000s and the late 90s um, and, and then ironically, um, just selfishly, I need to bring this up. I believe the head of the NCAA sanctions committee, when they gave USC the equivalent of not quite the death penalty, but I think we can all agree a little overzealous in punishment. Um, that was the athletic director from Miami. And then Nevin Shapiro comes out with all these stories about what they were doing um, since I think he's passed. So I'm not going to bury the guy too much here. Uh, but uh, a little annoying, just just a little edge uh, for me here. Uh, anyway, I think they're one year away. Tyler Van Dyke is uh, legit, and he got a lot of good experience last year, and he did improve. Cristobal, legit. Uh, he brought in a wonderful staff. Uh, all of his position coaches, um, they're some of the most kind of hot names that other schools look to poach uh, periodically every couple of years. That's the interesting thing. Like, if you're not an O or a D coordinator, but, you know, you're, um, you're the coach of the O-line, or you're the linebackers guy, or you're the receivers coach. Um, those guys aren't as fixed to a school as maybe if you're an O coordinator or a D coordinator, especially at a pretty notable institution, um, because you're just kind of biding your time. You're waiting for the opportunity to become the head coach at that school or a head coach at another notable school. But Mario Cristobal stole like every great sub position coach that was on the radar out there. So um, they're going to develop players. They're also going to get players. They've already evidenced that they have been getting players. Uh, I believe one of the top O line uh, prospects in the country just a couple of weeks ago committed to them. Uh, weird late commit, um, but it is for 2023, so kind of makes sense here. Uh, obviously, just a verbal. Anyway, uh, let's see. Four offensive linemen back. Um, so for a team where you had offensive linemen kind of get thrown into the fire last year uh, with the familiarity of the guy under center, uh, that could be good. Now, they lose to AM, They lose to Clemson. So what are we talking over under here, like eight and a half? Oh, uh, we're at eight and a half. Yes, sir. Yeah. So you have room for one more loss where you can still win. Uh, that scares me. Uh, Miami, I think will be a household name once again in the conversation for CFP 
top 10 college football, maybe starting next year and for a period of several, several, several years beyond that. Uh, I think it's a year too early. They're kind of like for you, Florida State, for example, for me, Miami, I just can't quite trust them. Every time you want to when they're like 5-0 and and they play the big primetime game on Saturday, they, they get their doors blown off. And I know Cristobal is a better coach, but also he makes some weird in-game decisions uh, that can definitely cost his team. And that definitely was the case last year when he was coaching Oregon when they lost as like a 23-point favorite to Stanford out of the blue. Uh, so all that being said, I don't trust them to get over the hump and only lose one more game than the two guaranteed losses. They're going to lose two. They're going to go eight and four, which is a good building year, but it's an under. Yep, I agree with you. I would lean under as well. Um, you know that, Liam, they're one of those teams that's always overrated. Um, also with Mario, you know, he kind of reminds me of uh, of Butch Jones a few years ago when Butch was at Tennessee. You know, b- big personality, uh, big recruiter, brought in top recruits, but did did not really develop those recruits. The, the, just, the big recruiting classes did not lead to wins on the field. I think Mario has kind of underperformed at Oregon. Um, not really a fan of what he did with that program up there, other than the recruiting. I mean, he brought good players up there. I mean, good for you. But, you know, Justin Herbert was underperformed. Um, he didn't really let him loose until the Rose Bowl game. You know, Justin's um, last game in college played against Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. He finally let him run a little bit, kind of opened up the offense a bit. Um, he, he's always been a conservative type of coach. Um, so let's see if he lets Tyler Van Dyke play, lets his offense play, and, and lets them flourish a little bit and throws throws the ball around a little bit. Um, like you said, they have two automatic losses. They play at Texas A&M in week three, which is fascinating. I, I love that they have that game scheduled. I can't wait to watch that game, but probably going to be a loss. And then, like you said, they play at Clemson. That's a loss as well. Um and then, you know, the rest of the ACC schedule, every game is is definitely winnable, and I wouldn't be surprised if they won all of them, but we know what Miami does. They always trip up and and kind of beat themselves, so give me the under. Yeah, uh, most important thing that I forgot to mention, uh, Mario Cristobal gets to town. First thing he does, he bans the turnover chain. No more turnover chain this year. Yeah, I like it. I like it. He's he's trying to trying to trying to set a new culture, and I know swag is is part of Miami's Miami's culture, and it always will be. And he's going to bring some element of swag. But you know, the turnover chain that was in in the previous regime, uh, that was in the Manny Diaz era. So they'll probably bust out a, something maybe a little bit different this year, and hopefully they start winning some games and and earning their celebrations before they just whip something out week one. Oh, I forgot so. about Manny Diaz and that awkward situation at the end of the year where like everybody knew he was about to be fired but they like wouldn't fire him until they had this Cristobal deal pretty much in place to announce 12 hours later really awkward really really bad by the administration there uh anyway let's move on yes yeah poor Manny but hey he's rich he got a fat buyout and now he's the DC at Penn State I believe so pretty good landing spot there um, all right, let's move on to the Pitt Panthers. Uh, they are the defending uh, Coastal Division champions and the defending ACC Conference champions. Uh, they come in with a total of eight and a half. Um, of course, they're losing their first-round quarterback, Kenny Pickett, drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they lost the big-time receiver, Jordan Addison, who transferred to your USC Trojans, Liam. Fight on, baby. Um, I, I, I circle this star it. I feel great about the under here with, uh, with, with Pitt at eight and a half. Um, you know, like I mentioned, they lost their two best players, Kenny Pickett, Jordan Addison. They also lost their o- offensive coordinator, Mark Whipple. I think his name is, he's now the OC at Nebraska, I believe. Um, 
I'm not a fan of their head coach, Pat Narduzzi. I think he is a little bit tone deaf. I don't think he just quite gets it. Um, I, I keep hearing that that he did not like how much they threw the ball last year. Um, and you had a, but you had a first round quarterback and you have a first round receiver and you, you won the conference for the first time, but yet he was kind of, kind of bitter about the kind of offense they ran. I just don't quite get what, what, what he's thinking or where his mindset is. Maybe he knows that, um, that they don't have the, the personnel to run that kind of offense this year. That's why he wants to go back to running the ball, but, um, just doesn't seem like he, he quite understands, you know, what, what's going on around him and a little bit tone deaf. And, and maybe that's why Jordan Addison, uh, decided to leave, um, and they um, they now have uh, Keaton Slovis uh, under center there at at Pitt. The transfer from USC. Um, I'm not a big Keaton Keaton fan. Um, he seems kind of soft. Um, sounds like he followed his girlfriend uh, to Pitt, who I, I believe is on the soccer team there. You can correct me if I'm wrong, That's there, Liam. But yep, um, yep, 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 correct. Yeah, not a uh, not not the best way to choose uh, where you want to play college football by following your girlfriend. But um, good luck to Keaton. Uh, they open up against West Virginia. Uh, it's going to be Keaton versus JT Daniels, two former USC quarterbacks. That'll be fun. Um, but but I just I just don't see much from Pitt this year. Going to be low-scoring games. Their defense is going to be good, though. I will give that to them. Good D-line, good secondary. Um, going to be going to be low-scoring games, like I mentioned. But I just don't see them having enough offense to to win enough games. Uh, give me the under. What's this line at? Eight and a half. Ooh. It couldn't be. Yeah, eight. just coming off coming off one of the best seasons in program history, losing your quarterback, losing the receiver, losing the the, the coordinator. I just I just see them regressing big time. Ooh, I agree. Uh, I very much agree with everything you just said. Actually, and this is hilarious because we did not talk about this off air. I haven't talked to you about this, but I despise Pat Narduzzi. This guy bugs the hell out of nice. me. Nice. Um, some, some, you know, cer- certain guys, you know, obviously we only see them on TV. We don't have any inside access, but certain guys like him, James Franklin, they just kind of rub me the wrong way. Jim Harbaugh. I just, there's <laughs> a few guys I just don't like out there. Butch Jones. He was a clown. Wow. This Anyways. is the Butch Jones and the former USC player or <laughs> new USC player show. Uh, six degrees of separation. We'll always find a way to link it back. Um, yeah. Pat Narduzzi, Really annoying. Uh, he messes with spreads like no other. He kicks field goals like in the fourth. If they're down 12 with two minutes left, he'll kick a field goal <laughs> and just to mess with the spread that was 10, just to make it nine, which is not even going to make it a one possession game. Uh, he does weird stuff like that. Really bizarre in-game decisions. I feel like he'd be the guy where if he had no timeouts and there was a minute 40 to go in the game and they're down two, he would just punt it and end the game. So that is annoying uh, with the media. Super annoying. Um, him talking about tampering and uh, all that. Obviously, we don't know the real story Please. with transfers, but you're right. Think about this. My first round quarterback left. My other burner receiver on the other side of the field who at least made it so I didn't get double teamed every uh, every play. He's in the NFL. My offensive coordinator is gone. Should I stay here in Pittsburgh or transfer to sunny Southern California and be the number one there? Uh, oh, I don't know. Let's see. Oh, not to mention millions of dollars in NIL money and opportunities. So anyway, um, that's an aside. Um, Keaton goes there, like you said. Um, <laughs> I don't even know what to say, man. Like uh, <laughs> all offensive linemen are back, so they have a good defense. All the O line are back. That O line was ranked fairly good, so you'd imagine they'll improve. So that was the thing that got me thinking that, despite my personal subjective dislike for this team, also the fact that they play in a professional stadium, formerly Heinz Field, now AccuSure stadium or whatever they call it um they're kind of like ucla east in that regard like you lose a little bit 
of that cool what makes college football college football thing. It's like those neutral site games, but every weekend. So as much as I wanted to just put that aside and say, you know what, they're going to go over eight potentially because I feel like the number's eight. They, they go eight and four probably. I don't see them completely collapsing. Um, I do think that with that grit, they will win eight games. Like I don't see it seven, but at the same time, I do not see nine. So if it was eight, it might be worth if you were just like hoping that they had all the bulletin board material in the world. They want to play victims themselves and they all bought into that. Cool. But they don't. And it's eight and a half. So give me the under. Yep. I like it. And, and you know, like I mentioned, Narduzzi doesn't seem like a really a warm and fuzzy guy. I, I could see that the culture kind of going sideways toward the end of the season. I can see them taking some L's and some of the returning players, you know, kind of looking at the coaching staff being like, Hey, like, you know, we had all the success doing this, this, and this last year. Like, why don't we go back to doing that stuff? Um, and I can see, you know, the team kind of throwing in, throwing in the, in the towel and kind of quitting on the coach a little bit toward the end of the season. So um, I imagine it's going to be a tough one for the Panthers. Moving on. All right. Um, let's move on. Next team we have here is the uh, University of North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, they are coming in with a win total of seven and a half. Um, Sam Howell is gone. Um, he was their starting quarterback the last three seasons. He was a high profile recruit. Um, I think that, uh, yep, he uh, got there the first year that Mac Brown was there. He was kind of like the. The, the, the big headline for, for Mac Brown's arrival at, at UNC, they were able to poach Sam Howell, who was previously committed to Florida State. Um, you know, Sam, I thought he was kind of overrated. You know, wasn't that great of a thrower. He was a really good runner. Um, he really reminded me a lot of Ian Book, uh, who was the quarterback um, at Notre Dame a few years ago, got them to the college football playoff. Smaller guy, more of a runner. Um, you know, not really a vocal leader. Um, but, you know, they, they really blew it last year. You know, like you said, Liam, earlier, they were ranked, I think, 10th to start the season. They played at Virginia Tech to start the year. And I remember thinking last year, you know, everyone was like going through their schedule and, you know, counting all the wins or whatever. And I was like, hey, you know, watch out for that game in Blacksburg to open the season. That's a tough place to play. Um, and they, they went out there, they screwed it up, and they got a big fat L week one and just kind of went downhill the rest of the season. Um, you know, Mac has been recruiting pretty well. Um, waiting to see, you know, some of that come to fruition. Um, they're going to have, have a new quarterback this year, like we mentioned. Not really sure what it's going to look like. Um, they have a pretty tough schedule. Um, I think they play at Appalachian State um, up there in the mountains in Boone. Um, that is going to be a tough atmosphere. That is going to be like App State Super Bowl that year. Um, going to be a rowdy crowd. Um, the defense has been been pretty booty the last couple of years. Gene Chizik is now here as the new defensive coordinator. He was previously uh, well, uh, previously at, at ESPN um, doing stuff for ESPN in the studio, but he was the Auburn head coach at one time. He was the Auburn head coach when Cam Newton had his one miraculous year at Auburn, uh, won the national championship, and then he was fired two or three years later because uh, he could not sustain, couldn't recruit. Um, Cam was basically Superman and carried that team. Um, I would guess under if I had to. Hard, hard to get a, get a good read on this team. Not sure what their quarterback situation is going to be like. They just seem like kind of one of those underperforming, underachieving teams the last couple of years. Um, I'd say six or seven wins seems like that's what it's going to be as their total is uh, seven and a half. Okay, seven and a half, I was going to ask you. Um, ooh, this one, I'm just going to kind of gut check here as I walk through this. So people were a year ahead potentially on UNC last year. Uh, you're right, the hype was um, much more than I thought it should have been. After that loss, they kind of tailspinned uh, Sam Howell. He's gone. 
So new quarterback, as you mentioned. But I think Mac Brown has this like Dabo like motivation. Uh, where he's like, oh, yeah, like, look, I'm under the radar just where I want to be right now, and not everybody is talking about us. Granted, volunteering to go lose at Appalachian State, like, what are you guys doing? These are like <laughs> the teams who schedule the best FCS teams. Um, but especially when you're voluntarily picking a team known for upsets who have chips on their shoulders because that is an in-state school in Boone, North Carolina, and is an incredibly difficult place to play. I don't know why they did that. Um, but I feel like the motivations there, uh, they do have great skill guys. They also get NC state and Notre Dame both at home. So that's helpful. You might be able to split those. Uh, they do have a couple softies, Florida, A&M, the Rattlers come to town. Oh, that's a week zero game. August 27th. We'll see you next week yep. at five Pacific. Ooh, interesting kickoff time for them too. Eight fifteen local time. Uh, Wow, in Chapel Hill. Uh, then go to App State, so we'll see what happens there. But then they beat Georgia State, who can be a tough out as a non-con sometimes. Um, but let's assume they probably won't be this year. Virginia Tech's not going to be what they were. Duke, again, garbage. We'll get to them in a second. Virginia, we'll see if they get it together. But they get they get Georgia Tech and Duke. So there's two wins right there. Uh, I lean under. I lean stay away, but I lean under. Yeah, I, I would lean under as well. And um, fun fact, like we mentioned, they play at Appalachian State this year. The last time uh, North Carolina played App State, it was at home uh, in Chapel Hill in 2019, and they lost to the Mountaineers. Mountaineers won 34-31. to 31. So uh, UNC is looking to get revenge from that game a few years ago. Uh, it's going to be tough up there in Boone in the mountains. Can we just fly through these last four teams? I think I know where you're going to go next, but after that, the bottom three are straight garbage. Yep, that's that's totally fine. Let's do it. All right, um, next team on our list here, we have the uh, Virginia Cavaliers. They're coming in at, at a, tall, a solid win total of seven. Um, they have a new head coach. His name is Tony Elliott, former co-offensive coordinator at Clemson. Um, you know, interesting job he chose to take, chose to take an academic power you know, after after being the OC there at Clemson, which is a football factory, going to Virginia is going to be going to be very different. They cannot get the um, the quality of most of the time they can't get the high quality athlete into that school that a lot of other schools can. Uh, so it's going to be tough to get high end players there. Uh, also, Virginia lost their offensive coordinator, like I mentioned earlier, Robert Anai. He's now at Syracuse. Um, but they do have their their returning starting quarterback. He's a lefty, uh, Brennan Armstrong. He was outstanding last year. He's got a big arm, uh, can fit it into some tight holes. He's not afraid to let it rip. Um, he, they could be putting up a lot of points, so lo- might be looking to bet some overs in their games early at least. Uh, defense probably not going to be that good, um, so look for some high-scoring games. A lot of games could go either way. Um, if I had to lean a certain direction, I'd probably go under with, with the new head coach and, and the new new coordinator. Um, but seven seems like a pretty solid number here for the Cavs. Apparently, their wide receivers are supposed to be something else, which you never expect from a Virginia Who's okay. team. Uh, Brennan Armstrong is electric, but he has to be electric. That's because the O-line was straight up garbage. Speaking of which, most experienced offensive lineman returning for Virginia. How many games experience does he have? I'm going to guess not a lot. That'd be two games. Uh, They lost their sixth most experienced offensive lineman. 
Uh, two of them transferred, four of them graduated. So the offensive line, which was straight up garbage, is going to be probably not that much better just due to inexperience, even if they recruited well and got a couple of transfers in there who looked to be okay. Um, so he's going to have to make things happen. But what if he doesn't stay healthy? The, the biggest predictor of whether or not he stays healthy is that offensive line being decent. And I don't think it's going to be. So that's a problem. Yeah, they have receivers, but who's the backup quarterback who's going to be throwing to them when you're in week four or week six? Uh, Tony Elliott, first year. Again, bizarre job choice to me. I mean, I know they have maybe not a rich past, but they have a they have a middle upper income uh, past, if you want to term it. Uh, Virginia has <laughs> been something, but I, I just don't know why that's the thing that he hopped to. Give me the under. I Can like we it. take under. the under with every single team in this division? Because it seems like what we're doing. Uh, man, I, I think we have Miami under principal play. Um, Pitt under. They're, they're coming off one of their best seasons ever. UNC is usually overrated. Virginia's got a got a new coach, new coordinator. Yeah, pretty pretty downer segment so far we have for the Coastal. Not a not a very happy division and but I mean, hey, I think Clemson's going to run away with this conference anyway. Let me just so. jump to one of these bottom dweller tween teams right now. Uh Georgia Tech, this is the Colorado of the ACC under whatever their win total is. Oh my goodness. I'm seeing 3, a solid 3. Same as Colorado actually. Wow. Uh, put this down for my other lock of the century. And before I spout this off, let me just make sure I have their non-conference schedule right because I'm looking at it and it, it doesn't seem like it could possibly be right. Yeah, that's that's not so <laughs> smart, you guys. So you open with a conference game against Clemson. Is that going to be fun? I don't think so. Then you get Western Carolina. So good job. You didn't schedule an FCS juggernaut. Let's assume you get one win there. Then, oh, let's put Ole Miss on our schedule. Obviously, they have a lot to replace. Uh, a lot of coaches left Ole Miss, which is um, quite peculiar. Uh, so they're going to have a little bit of a transition time, but they'll be all right. They have Jackson Dart slinging it. I don't see that being a problem in Atlanta. Uh, and then they, bring, or they travel to UCF. Uh, who's never an easy out. Then they go to Pittsburgh at AccuSure, and then their only other potential win is against Duke. Uh, and right now, I believe Georgia Tech is a favorite in that game against Duke. That is the only game in which they are a favorite in conference play. The rest of the way, I mean, maybe Virginia Tech. Oh my God, end the season. You're playing at Georgia. <laughs> this is I think Georgia's pretty good. That might be tough. Apps <laughs> at the end of the season, about to be on the brink of making the SEC title game or getting a playoff spot. Ridiculous. Um, golly, give me the under here. Yep, I like it. I like it. Not not a ton of juice there for Jeff Collins in his fourth year. You know, look, he 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 took over a really really tough situation. Um, former head coach there uh, at Georgia Tech, Paul Johnson, he ran the triple option. Uh, so clearly, Jeff Collins had to totally revamp the roster, um, change the playbook, pretty much teach these guys how to play real football. It's it's been really tough. Um, you know, one thing I will say about Georgia Tech, Liam, I feel like. They're, they're a sleeping giant in, in college football. I feel like there's so much potential there, mainly because of their location. They're located in downtown Atlanta, uh, which is a thriving city, as we know. There's a ton of high school football talent in the state of Georgia and the surrounding states, of course. 
obviously they have UGA, uh, University of Georgia, they're in state taking up all the good players. But I feel like once, you know, a, a coach gets to Georgia Tech and, and embraces their location, embraces Atlanta, you know, there's a, a lot of really cool NIL opportunities I feel like they would have in that city. Um, and I feel like there, there's a lot of potential there to, to bring that program to the top of the ACC. I'm going to just move on. I'm just, I specialize in seller dwelling. Go for here. it. We're going to Duke. This is the other Colorado like of the ACT, ACC. Um, I'm not sure what a better play is, although I recommend both under season wins. Yes. And also under 0.5 conference wins. I'm serious. Ooh, okay. Under 0.5 conference wins will give you better juice on this. Uh, and if you're afraid that maybe Duke pulls off a couple of non-con wins and gets close to their season total where anything can happen, it's not going to matter because they're not going to win a conference game here unless it's Georgia Tech, and I still don't think it's going to happen. Last year, the defense allowed like 40-something a game. I think they had a stretch of five games where it was over 45 a game to the opponent. That's not good. Uh, what's the over-under? Is it also three? Two and a half? What are we talking? I'm seeing a solid three. There could be two and a halfs out there, but I'm seeing three. And the push protection, man, there's no way they're winning four. So No, yeah. just uh, we don't even need to talk about it more. Whatever. Duke, under. Yeah, yeah. Under the only other team that um, that we haven't talked about in the coastal so far, Liam, is the Virginia Tech Hokies. They have an under over under of six. Honestly, man, I have no idea. Uh, new head coach, his name is Brent Pry, uh, formerly the defensive defensive coordinator for James Franklin at Vandy, and most recently at Penn State. They have a couple um, transfer quarterbacks. Um, the guy who's probably going to be the starter is Grant Wells. He comes in from Marshall. Um, they also have a guy named Jason Brown from South Carolina. Don't know much about him. Um, man, this is a program still looking to get back to the the glory days of the late 90s and the 2000s with Frank Beamer, uh, back when uh, Michael Vick was running around back there in the national championship against Florida State. But um, pretty boring team, not, not a lot of juice. Well, you know, they do have a really cool home field advantage. Lane Stadium is always popping. Like we mentioned, North Carolina went there last year and screwed it up, screwed up their season and lost. Um, so they do have a pretty heavy home field advantage that could get them a win or two, but hard to say if they're going to get over six wins. Yeah, uh, I jumped, by the way, when I, I didn't mean to group Virginia Tech as absolute bottom. The other two, Duke and Georgia Tech, absolutely are the bottom uh, of this conference. Virginia Tech, just a step ahead, potentially. You're right, new coach, transition year, Brent Pry. D should get going. I don't know how quickly that transition is going to happen, though. Good home field advantage. Uh, Grant Wells likely will be the quarterback. He was from Marshall. Uh, however, he had some horrific turnovers in Conference USA. That's a liability because the defenses he's going to be playing against now are going to be a little bit rougher than the ones he was seeing in Conference USA. Uh, their non-conference schedule, I don't believe, is very attractive. Let's just take a quick look here. I believe they have a Liberty that may be on the road. Liberty and maybe Old Dominion too. We know how that goes. Yeah, so here we go. They, they start out at Old Dominion. What? What are you guys doing? Like, let's go. This is <laughs> North Carolina too. Uh, let's go play an in-state lower team who knocked us off, I want to say, last year, or if not the year before, when we were like 20-point favorites. Uh, that was just the, the undoing of Justin Fuente. Uh, then, uh, we go Boston college at home. Who knows what that'll be. They get Wofford. There's a win. Hopefully, uh, West Virginia, Virginia tech. There could be some points scored there. Actually, if the defense isn't up to speed, I'm not seeing a lot of wins. Uh, yeah. Later in the season, they travel to Liberty. You're traveling to old dominion and you're traveling to Liberty. <laughs> you guys deserve to be under, I don't even care to analyze the rest of this under whatever it is. What is it? Five. 
Uh, it's six. Oh, and my six. rule about six. Ah, it doesn't matter. I know. Throw it out the window. This is an under. Yep. I, I like the under. Um, yeah, not a lot of juice here. Tough scheduling, man. These, these ACC teams, multiple ACC teams, at least three that, that, that I can remember off the top of my head, are going on the road to play non, um, non-Power non 5 schools, which I think is fascinating. The SEC's, SEC schools would never do that. So kudos to the ACC for, for, for the balls to, uh, to go play those games, but um, not the smartest when you're trying to get teams into the college football playoff. Um, There's one thing we forgot to do on our Big 12 preview, and we started on the Pac-12, which is uniforms. Give me your one or two favorite uniforms in the ACC. Let's go. Yes, sir. We did forget to do this on the Big 12, unfortunately. But um, ACC, uh, taking a look at the teams on the conference here, my favorite uniforms um, in this conference, and one of my favorite uniforms slash favorite color combinations in the whole country is the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, I love the green and orange. I just think those those two colors go great together. Um, I fell in love with them as a kid for all their swag and, and their uniforms. So uh, Miami uniforms are legendary in my mind. I love all the combos they have. I also love Clemson's uniforms. Uh, I, I do like orange. That's another theme there. I think the purple goes great with it as well. I do wish that they would wear more of the purple. I wish they would wear a purple jersey more often, bust out some purple pants more often. Um, they do wear purple jersey and purple pants one game a year at the end of the season, um, but I wish they would would wear that more often. Um, I do like Pitt's um, revamped um, uniforms and, and colors of the school. Um, you know, back when, when we were kids, they had the navy and kind of the, the dull gold, kind of that UCLA gold, pretty boring. But now they have the bright blue and, and the, the bright gold um, of old. Um, I really like that upgrade. Um, North Carolina Tar Heels, the, the, the Carolina blue is always a classic. I love the light blue. Um, those, are my, those are my favorite teams in the ACC. You want to just name the rest of the conference while you're at it? <laughs> yes a lot of good colors in this conference yeah. uh, i will go with uh orange a burnt orange in this case not university of texas that's the wrong conference but i'm talking virginia tech uh love that maroon and orange combo um what else do i like here you kind of hit a few of the others um nothing else jumps off the page who's boring i want to say boston college is pretty boring uh, Duke might have the worst uniforms because it looks like it just belongs in the hardwood. I don't see it out in the elements. So um, put me down. Yeah, it's Duke, definitely please. a, a basketball. Yeah, they have basketball colors. The the blue and white looks uh, looks fresh on the court there with the the tank top and the shorts. Georgia Tech is pretty boring to me. Um, they're also one of the the two schools that that wears a white jersey at home pretty often. Uh, LSU is, is the other one. I'm not sure why why Georgia Tech does that, but um, they have their navy and kind of a, a dull gold like Pitt used to be. Pretty boring to me. So I like I like Louisville Louisville with, with the bright red. I like when they wear red helmets, red face mask. It's a nice color too. So pretty much to sum up the ACC, if your name's not Clemson and you're looking at a team in this conference, take the under. Uh, no, we had a couple other overs, but it feels especially uh, from this side of the league, most recent to this conversation, that under is the play. Of course, they probably can't all go under because they do play one another. So you're going to get some wins yeah. some places here. Uh, but man, I'm not terribly inspired by anybody in this conference. Uh, Clemson takes it easily, which uh, a lot of people would have said uh, if you give them like a 10 second response to what's going to happen in the ACC. But after actually thinking about this for a few hours and researching it, yeah, that's what's happening. 
Yeah. And you know, one, another bet that I really like, you know, Clemson's win total at 10 and a half. It, that's a tough one. I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be shocked if they lost two games and that would, that would lose either win total. A bet that I like better than their total is for them to win the conference. Just, just win the ACC outright. Um, I believe the juice I saw on that last time I looked, it could be different now was minus minus one sixty. Um, so even if they lose two, maybe even three games, I still like them to win the conference because of their defense. Um, um, and I, I like, like DJ to bounce back, but, um, yeah, Clemson to win the conference. The other, uh, totals that I really liked was Louisville over the six wins, uh, with Malik Cunningham and then Pitt under eight and a half, just, just, um, bounce back season for Pat Narduzzi back to, to being the kind of old grumpy, um, you know, two yards in the cloud of dust, dust team, I like them to go under and then. You sold me on Georgia Tech and Duke, man. I like the under three for both of those the kind of kind of light, lame duck programs. Um, I like those too. My best bets for the year so far are all win totals of three, and they're all under. Let me remind you, it's Colorado, it's Georgia Tech, and it's Duke. We'll see if the SEC or Big Ten have anything like that. Haven't quite got there yet. Uh, we are going to be previewing those over the course of the next week, right before week zero starts, or heck, maybe even we'll record the SEC one during week zero because nothing that important's happening. But we'll have you ready for week one. Uh, See you on the next preview.